If you guys have your Bibles, turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. Uh, last time uh, we went through Colossians, we started in chapter 1. Uh, we were looking at the first section, uh, really dealing with personal issues from uh, chapter 1 verses 1 through 14. And these personal issues involved three things. Uh, Paul greets the church, Paul thanks God for the church, and then Paul prays to God for the church. And last time we talked, Paul was praying for the church, and it involved two things, really, that they would be in God's will, and uh, that, you know, that they would have spiritual understanding, spiritual wisdom. Uh, and we know in Proverbs, right, the the first thing that Proverbs even mentions is the fear of the Lord, right, in verse 7. So that's the beginning of understanding, of, of knowing what wisdom is, of knowing what it's. the whole book of Proverbs was talking about. So it's kind of the same thing, Paul's heart for the church of Colossae. And uh, that should be our hearts as well as we pray for other people um, as we gather together, um, that we would understand the word of God. So you got his request in his prayer, then you got the results of his prayer that we talked about last time. Um, so we finished the first section, uh, but now we're going to go on to doctrinal issues. There's three major uh, doctrinal issues that uh, Paul's going to go over. The, the first is Christ's deity. That's going to be in verses 15 to 23. That's what we're going to go over today. And then there's Paul's ministry in verses uh, 24 all the way to chapter 2, verse 7. And then there's going to be, he's going to talk about false uh, philosophy in chapter 2, verse 8, all the way to verse 23. So today we're going to talk about Christ's deity, uh, which is extremely powerful and very, very important uh, for the church today and for everybody here. So let's just read our passage and then we'll we'll go back over it. Uh, first or I'm sorry, Colossians chapter 1, let's look at verse 15. It says, He is the image, Jesus, of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, uh, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he, Jesus, may have the preeminence. Uh, For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. So, whew. Yeah, you guys ready? There's a lot there. Um, So let's look back at, really in in verses 15 to 17, we're going to see Jesus' headship over 
all creation. And well, we're going to look at three things about his headship over creation. Number one, it involves his person. Uh, in verse 15, notice in verse 15, it says, he, he, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. So remember the church at Colossae, man, they had all kinds of uh, heretical teachings that were really creeping into the church, um, relying uh, on this and that philosophy. Really what their, their motive was is to dethrone Jesus Christ from his throne, right? And um, as, as really as creator, as sustainer, as the all in all, and there was mysticism, asceticism, there was Gnosticism, you name it, all the isms, right? And, and what do we have today? We've got a whole bunch of isms as well. And so these heretical teachers, they say Jesus Christ was, you know, he was just one of many emanations of God or um, this and that, but today we're going to actually study the Bible. We're going to see what the Word of God actually says. We're going to look at the facts um, and compare it a little bit to uh, some of these uh, other views, and we find out that those other views are not true. Um, So it involves the person of Jesus Christ himself as head over all creation, and the question, though, before we begin is really, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus Christ, right? And, and verse 15, the first thing I learn about God is he's invisible. Did you guys catch that? Jesus Christ is actually the uh, image of the invisible God. Now, in John 1, 18, it says no one has seen God at any time. So that's interesting. Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God. In fact, turn to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. Um, you see, Jesus Christ and God uh, have the same nature, the same substance, if you will, and yet they're different in persons and ministry. And, and the word image, by the way, back here in, in Colossians, as you turn to Hebrews 1, uh, is the word icon. Um, got it up there, or I'm sorry, Im- or image is the word icon, and it means likeness or a copy of, um, and really carries the idea of looking into a mirror. And now when we look into a mirror, what do we see? We see the exact representation of ourselves, right? Well, Jesus is the exact representation of God, and, and he's, the in- he's the image of the invisible God. So Hebrews chapter 1, uh, look at verse 1. It says, God who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. I think, wow, did you guys catch that? Um, Who being in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. Um, This is huge doctrine right here. Who is Jesus Christ? Well, he's God. And, And he's not a created being. He's the creator of all beings, right? He's God. Jesus is God. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says that Christ is the image 
image of God. It's over and over. We could go nonstop through scripture here. But Jesus is not only the image of the invisible God. He is God, right? And Jesus Christ is God Almighty. And don't be fooled by these cults that are out there. Um, there there's a lot of religions out there. You know, they, they say a lot of stuff. Jesus was just a good person or he was a good prophet, one of many. Um, there's cults out there that say, no, Jesus, well, yeah, he's Michael the archangel, right? Jehovah's Witness. Um, others say, no, he's the spirit brother of Lucifer, right? The Mormons. Uh, the Muslims, the Jews, they, they say, you know, he's simply just a prophet of God. And uh, the, well, the Church of Christ Science, which is by, <laughs> it's not a church and it's not science, so I don't know where they came up with that. Uh, but anyways, they believe he's simply just a good man, right? We should just follow, you know, the, his things that he came up with and his example. But this is all far from the truth, right? And, and let's see what the Bible actually says. I, I got, wrote down some scriptures here for you guys. In John, Jesus said of himself, in John chapter 10, verse 30, he says, I and the Father are one. Very interesting. To Philip, Jesus said in John 14, 9, he said to to him, have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Remember, he's the express image. He's the, uh, the likeness, the icon, the mirror image of who God is. Paul understood Jesus Christ was God in Romans 9, 5. Uh, Paul calls Jesus Christ the eternal God. And in Titus chapter 2, verse 13, uh, it says, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, Thomas understood in John chapter 20, verse 28, uh, he, and Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. I love that. And John understands that Jesus is God in 1 John chapter 5, verse 20. He calls him the blessed God, right? And Isaiah the prophet prophesied about the Messiah, God, the Son of God, would be uh, God himself, right? Uh, in Isaiah 9, 6, which is an awesome verse, and I'm sure a lot of you guys are going to be writing this this Christmas, right? Maybe on some cards. Um, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God. Wait a minute, the Son of God is going to be called Mighty God. Interesting. And Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Isaiah 7, 14. Uh, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. Interesting. Even God himself. Now this gets even better. God himself, speaking of Jesus, the Son of God, in Hebrews uh, chapter 1, verse 8, says of the Son, he says, but to the Son, he says, your throne, O God. He calls Jesus God. Did you guys catch that? This forever and ever, a scepter of righteousness is a scepter of your kingdom. He calls the kingdom of God his kingdom. Wow, right? Interesting. First uh, Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest, manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up in glory. Um, in John chapter 1, 
Verse 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. What do you know, right? John chapter 1, verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the simple truth is, guys, Jesus Christ is God Almighty. Amen, church? Amen. We could go forever here, but I think you guys get the point, right? Jesus is God Almighty. Romans 9.5 says he's the eternal God, speaking of Jesus, and it's just, it's nonstop. Um, but let's come to the second thing here. Go back to Colossians. Um, it involves his preeminence. Speaking of Jesus as um, in charge, right, over all creation. And notice in verse 15, it says, the firstborn over all creation. Now stop there. This word firstborn, it's used nine times in the New Testament, and it could be used chronologically, it could be used positionally, um, depending on the context of the passage. So it can be speaking of somebody who's born uh, first from the womb, right? Or it can be speaking of somebody who has a prominent position or rank um, in authority. So firstborn here in our text, in the context, is speaking of uh, authority and rank. So positionally, this is the word that we're talking about here. So his preeminence, um, and it, obviously in the previous verse, we just saw that he is the creator of all things, and since he is the creator of all things, obviously he can't be created, right? He is the creator. Um, so he's not only the creator of all things, but he's the sustainer of all things, and we'll get to that a little bit later. But in fact, he is actually before all things as well. If your mind's not already like, whoa, uh, it gets even better. Look at verse 17. Um, I don't think I got it. Did I get it up here? Nope. Um, verse 17, and, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Um, so understand, Jesus is before all, he is above all, and he is superior to all. Okay? Um, and understand, consider, consider your salvation with me here. Um, if you don't believe that Jesus is before all, that he is above all, and that he is superior to all. If you don't believe that he is Jesus Christ, that he is God Almighty come in the flesh, well, then you got a problem. You're not going to go to heaven. Can I just say that out loud in English? Uh, did, did I say that in another language? You're not going to go to heaven, and the Bible makes that very clear, and I know that's sad to say, but First John 5, 5, it says, who is... Um, who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? You see, uh, this is something that hit me hard uh, early on in my walk with the Lord. I would love to give the gospel, right? Go up to people and tell them what Jesus did on the cross for them. Uh, he died on the cross. He was buried. His resurrection. He wants to have a relationship with you, right? And I'll, I'll, I'll just pound it, right? I'll, I'll do the Romans road, you know, for the wages of, uh, of sin is death. You know, we got to confess our sins. And I just go through the whole road thing and help them understand that they're not in a good place. Um, but one thing I didn't do because I wasn't trained to do is to also add they need to understand this. If you read First John, it just it hits it over and over and over. Um, you gotta understand that Jesus is God Almighty. If not, you can believe what He did on the cross, 
But what's that if you don't believe that he's God, right? So you got a huge, huge doctrinal issue here. And this is very, 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 very important uh, as it pertains to your eternal life. So uh, it's good to look into. But let's come to the, the, the third thing here about his headship. It involves his power, his power. Notice in verses 16 and 17, um, all things were created by him. Notice in verse 16, it says, it says, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. So speaking of, you know, the earthly realm, physical, speaking of, you know, the heavenly realm, spiritual, um, we're, we're, it's... He is in charge of it all. We're, we're looking at Jesus Christ and his headship over all creation, not just what you see with your eyes. He's in charge of realms we don't even understand. <laughs> there's, there's way more beyond us, and he's still in charge, right, uh, which is awesome. Well, there's three things to know about Jesus Christ as being creator. Uh, in verse 16, notice that all three of these things are realized to us, by the way, through the propositions uh, that are used in verse 16. Now there's three propositions. The first is the word by. So by him, notice in verse 16, by, by the way, is the proposition in. So in Greek we would say, well, in, right? Um, so everything was created in Christ. So in what? In his power, in his might, in his ability. Um, and this was a power that was obviously shown in and of himself. And it does not speak of a power that he received. It speaks of his own power, right? He didn't borrow this power. He didn't get it from some other foreign place or a foreign god, right? He is the power that, that gives the power, right? And uh, very interesting. But Jesus Christ, uh, he created all things in and of himself and of his own power, of his own resources, we would say. Um, secondly, notice in verse 16, it says, well, through him, notice the word through uh, is another one. It's, it's a primary proposition. Um, and it's speaking of the channeling of an act. And you guys remember in Genesis, right? Uh, we all learned this verse. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But here it says that Jesus Christ created everything interesting right so which is it did God create everything or did Jesus create everything what's the answer yeah <laughs> you guys are good yes that's right um, so Jesus Christ was the agent if you will uh, but or the channel by which God created all things very interesting God used his son Jesus to create everything so John chapter 1 verse 3 it says all things were made through him Jesus and without him nothing was made that was made very interesting um, third Look at the proposition here in verse 16, the word for him. Uh, this proposition, it means toward or onto. And have you ever wondered why, have you ever just considered life in general? Have you ever just what, sat there and looked at the stars and how vast everything is, how perfect everything is, and how perfect your body was formed? And your, why were you created? 
Why are you here? Why are you a living soul, right? You're not just a, a, a bag of mush. You're actually a soul, right? You're intelligent. You're an intelligent being in this world. Why were you created? Um, the answer is, well, it's for him. It's onto him and it's toward him. That's the reason. And you and I were created for one reason and it is for his good pleasure. You see, that's why the elders declared in Revelation, if you get, you know, we're going through Revelation right now, Pastor Dwight, um, in chapter 4, verse 11, it says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things. And to catch this, you guys ready for this? And for thy pleasure, they are and were created. Whoa. Friends, you and I were not created for our own pleasure. Okay? And, but to please the Lord in all that we do, that's what we were created for. If you're having a heartache about it, it's a, that's a prayer request you gotta take up to the Lord. To bring, we, we're called to bring glory to the Lord, to fall down, to worship the Lord. When we repent and we ask for forgiveness, uh, of our sins, um, there's something that happens, right? When we realize that he's Lord and Savior over our lives, we have now the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, right? Living and abiding with us and in us. Uh, Romans 8, 11, Acts 5, 32, 1 Corinthians 3, 16. It's over a whole bunch of scripture. But now you and I are living, we're walking, we're breathing in the Spirit. And, and now we'll be, able, we'll be pleasing unto the Lord, right? Because of his work in us. And, and it's amazing. So you see, as much as you desire to please the Lord and where you go and what you say and what you do, um, the truth is, guys, what, what happens, right? That's our motive, right? We all want to do what's right, but what happens? We fall terribly short, right? We, we mess up, don't we? Would you guys agree? Raise your hand. Yeah, yeah. Okay, just me. <laughs> all of us do. Um, but uh, because we, we, we try to do the right thing, with the wrong empowerment at times. And, and we gotta realize that's the wrong thing, right? We often try to do the right thing in the flesh. And we gotta understand, guys, the books are gonna be open, right? Opened and everything is, we're, we're gonna be held accountable for everything that we do, everything that we said, our heart, right? The motive of why we did what we did. And we got to realize we got to do it onto the Lord. It's got to be His work in and through us. We got to have that total reliance of the Holy Spirit in our lives, uh, really in and through us to what? To do what? To empower us to be pleasing to Him in all things. And by the way, here's a pop quiz question. Do you guys think of the time? Not the question's always like, okay, how can I be pleasing to God? But rather, when were you pleasing to God as the church? Consider this. It was at the cross. Can you believe that? That's when you were pleasing down to God. When you believed on him, he was pleased in you. Why? Because you were made perfect and made righteous in his clothes. He robed you and robes dripped in his blood in a sense, right? Um, considering what he did for you, now you are cleansed. Now you're, you're made perfect in his image. But when you go and try to do something out of your own flesh, it's disgusting. It's like... Uh, I remember um, had some little dogs in the neighborhood and one dog decided to go and get one of the neighbor's chickens, killed it, and brought it straight to the door and was all happy like 
you know, here you go, I brought you a chicken. And it was like, what are you doing? That's not mine. Ah. But it's disgusting, right? The thing smelled, and I was like, oh, I gotta go bury this thing. I don't know, you know. But I was a city kid, by the way. Some of you guys are like, I would have ate the thing. But that's what we do unto the Lord. It's filthy. It's disgusting, right? And we got to keep that in mind. Anyways, let's come to the second thing here. All things consist in him. Understand in verse 17, it says, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. Now, this word consist carries the idea of being held together, uh, being glued together or strengthened, if you will. And if it's Jesus Christ who's holding everything together, our universe has a fine thread really keeping everything in its place, if you think about it. But what's keeping them from spinning, you know, the, you picture the galaxies and everything, what's keeping them from spinning off their axis, right? And, and just, right? How do they stay in that correct orbit? How, how does all the galaxies work so perfect? What's keeping the earth in proper distance from the sun so that we're not freezing up or burning up, right? How is it everything, some over here has more strength and more power, more resistance over here not so much, but over here, this one's spinning that one, this one's going this way, this one, and everybody's scratching their heads like, well, it's not working according to the way we do things in our lab, you know, like it's just, there's some power there, and, and people would say, oh, it's called atomic glue, right? If you, if you want to hear with the world experts, right, what's holding everything together? Uh, yeah, we got the answer, it's atomic glue. Uh, can you explain that to me? What is atomic glue? Well, it's what holds things together, well, can you explain how it holds things together? No. <laughs> oh, thanks. Okay. You're no help. But biblically, we know what holds everything together, right, church? It's Jesus Christ. And so um, it's just amazing. So when you look at the atom as well, the I forget the big fancy names with all that, though. The positive electrons, right? The What is that called? Yes, and they're, they're spinning all together, and they're perfect, and what's, you know, why not, I don't, it's just being, we're being held together, it's amazing, um, but, it, uh, it, so it's Jesus, right, so how can, um, let me slow down here, my mind's going, um, it's, it's just amazing, so when he's holding everything together, um, Consider your life right now. Consider practically right now what's happening that the Lord can hold you together. He can sustain you. He can hold your heart together, right? It doesn't matter what's going on around you. Um, I was just, I don't know, I shouldn't have done it. I was on Facebook right now, and uh, I was dumb. But I saw a picture of a little girl. She's just looking over here, and right behind her, there's like a bat that hits somebody in the head, and everybody's going crazy right on the picture. And this little girl's just like, dazing off and that's kind of what you know as a believer I was like yeah that's like us right where everything will be a chaos right just like uh Daniel's buddies they're in the fire you could be worshiping the Lord you could be in straight confidence why because of the work of the Holy Spirit in your life he is able to sustain us Jude 24 was to say now to him who is able to keep us you right uh from stumbling and is able to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, right? To God, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion forever and ever, right? 
Amen, right? But what, it, what is the promise there? He's able to keep us, right? He's able to sustain us. But what happens? We say, no, God, I got this, right? We go off in our flesh, let me go and do this. And, but we need to just stop and realize he's got us, right? Allow the Lord to do his work in you, and he'll do a great job. He, he does everything perfectly. Um, and it's amazing. So uh, anyways, uh, let's, let's go on the second thing here. Jesus' headship is also over the church, by the way, in verses 18 to 23. Um, we're going to look at six things here. Um, really, the first thing is it involves his rule, his rule. Uh, notice in verse 18, it says, And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning so Jesus Christ is the beginning of the church. By the way, that happened at the day of Pentecost, if you guys remember in Acts chapter 2. Um, and not only is he the beginning of the church, he's the head of the church, right? And he's ruling and reigning over the church itself. And church, it's not a, it's not a facility. It's not a building, right? It's, we're flesh and blood, right? We're the body of Christ. He is the head in charge of the body, where the body goes. And uh, that, I love it. So don't don't get me wrong. I realize you know the need for um, organization, right? We serve a God of order. Thus, we should be in order as well. I understand hierarchy and leadership. Um, I understand those things. And well, when you read in First Second Timothy, there's you know it's clearly laid out that leadership role, and I, I agree with that. But you and I need to realize that the leader of the church is who. Jesus Christ, right? He is able to lead us and guide us where he wants to because we're the church. We're his church. And uh, so we need to be flexible. We need to be led by the Holy Spirit in all that we do. We got to be careful not to be caught up in programs and, um, you know, these different activities that some people do, these procedures and whatnot. Um, but we need to be open to the work of the Holy Spirit, what the Lord wants to do, right? We then allow him to minister to our hearts, allow him to do the work of the ministry. Uh, and he does, and, and he's able to do that. So if God's calling you to a work, Realize that work might only just be for a short time. Maybe he wants to pluck you up and put you down somewhere else and bury you in that spot, right? And, and then you start to gain roots in that area. But just wait on the Lord. Be flexible, right? Be, be open and willing to see what the Lord wants to do in your life, and he, he will. But don't try to open some, a door that the Lord's closed, right? Maybe it was open for a time, but then it slammed, right? Don't be like, I did this a thousand times before. How come it's not working, right? Um, so just be careful and be open. But we need to understand something about the church, by the way. Um, Jesus said in Matthew 16, verse 18, uh, he says, And I also say to you that you, Peter, on, and on this rock... I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Man, I'm so glad I don't have to build his church, right? <laughs> right? He will build his church. Did you guys hear that? I don't know if you guys heard it. Did, did you guys hear me say that Peter's going to be the, the pope, and he's going to build his church? Did any of you guys hear that? What did it say that Jesus is talking here, though, right? And he says he's going to build his own church. Thank the Lord for that. We don't, we don't have to sit and plan and organize. We simply pray and wait on the Lord and see what the Lord wants to do with his church. And Jesus is, he's the shepherd, right? We're the sheep of his flock. And we just got to listen to that call. If you guys have uh, been around shepherds, they got those weird calls, right? They go, 
And, and uh, those sheep, they know their calling and they can just separate from all the other sheep, like say they're at Jerusalem, you know. They could separate and start following the shepherd. It's the coolest thing. And, and that's us. When we hear the word of God, there's just something about it we want to follow because we, we know the Lord. We know his voice, right? Um, it's awesome. So let's come to the, the second thing here. It involves his resurrection. His resurrection. Notice in verse 18, it says, The firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. So notice we went from firstborn over all creation, in verse 15 right there in the middle, to the firstborn over the dead. Interesting, here in verse 18, this too does not speak chronologically, uh, but it speaks positionally, because obviously, uh, who died, right? Lazarus died before Jesus, right? Um, what is it, Peter's, I don't know if Peter's... Um, mother-in-law did but the the widow there's all kinds of uh, the old testament look at elijah look at the things that happened so he's not clearly physically the only firstborn over that who who rose from the grave Um, so very interesting so what does it mean jesus christ is the firstborn from the dead whereas uh, his resurrection is very unique because when he was raised from the dead unlike anybody else what happened? He never died again. And so thus he is the firstborn from the dead. And this is important because if Jesus Christ was not resurrected from the dead, then you and I, we're not going to go to heaven, right? The Bible makes that very, very clear in 1 Corinthians fifteen seventeen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You're still in your sins, right? That's a scary place to be. Um, but this is what separates us from every single uh, religious group on the planet of earth, right? Um, that we serve a living God. Amen, church? Yeah. Amen. Uh, let's come to the third thing here. His headship also involves his richness. Notice in verse 19, it says, for it pleased the Father, that in him all the fullness should dwell. Now, the fullness of what? Actually, the, the, the question should be uh, of who, right? Um, go to chapter 2, look at verse 9. Chapter 2, look at verse 9. It says, for in him dwells Jesus, right? Dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So very, very interesting. All that is God is Jesus Christ, right? And and Christ dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So, uh, in fact, turn to Ephesians. Um, Ephesians uh, chapter 1. Look at verse 22. Ephesians 1, 22. Um, it says, And he put all things under his feet, and gave him, Jesus, to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. That's powerful, guys. Did you guys catch that? That's impactful right there. How does it affect you and me, you might ask? Well, um, in fact, turn to John, John chapter 1. I'm going to show you guys something here. John chapter 1, why is it so important that the fullness of God uh, dwelling in Jesus Christ as it, as it is, uh, as it pertains to the church, to you and me? Why is that so important? Uh, John chapter 1, look at verse 16. Oh, there it is. Um, oops, thank you guys. Uh, it says, and of his fullness, 
right? Jesus, we have all received, did you guys catch that? Let's just stop right there. At grace for grace, right? That's what it says. But did you catch that? We, so of, so Jesus receives, he has all the fullness of who God is. Now all the fullness of who Jesus is, we have received. What? I know, you took the word right out of my mouth. What? Awesome. I love this. So all that God is, it's just, it's just amazing. All that God is, his fullness dwells in us, right? We all have received. And the Bible's very clear in Ephesians 1, 3. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with what? With every spiritual blessing. Guys, he's not holding back anything on us. He's not saying, oh, come and get it. Whoop, you almost had it. Come and get it. Oh, oh, almost. Oh, right here, right? He's not teasing us. He just says, you want it? You become a believer the moment you gave your life to the Lord. Boom, you had it all, right? And you still have it all. That's grace, man. It's just, the more you look into it, it's like, oh, Lord, who am I? (laughs) I'm a wretched sinner, Lord. You don't want me. But he does. It's like, oh. Um, But, uh, the Bible is, is amazing. Second Peter chapter one, verse three, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who call us by glory and virtue. So guys, we got it all. You and I have it all. Talk about deliverance. Talk about victory that we have in Christ. We literally can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And understand you can. The only way you can be held together in tough times, it's because of the fullness of Christ that dwells in us, right? It's the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. Guys, we have so much, but we only tap into so few, right? And uh, that's why prayer is so important as well. But let's come to the fourth thing here. His reconciliation. His reconciliation, verses 20 to 22, Um, It says in verse 20, And by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he, Jesus, has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death. Guys, this word reconcile, uh, it's to turn to or to turn back from where you're, you were at. So into a place of, you know, harmony and peace with the Lord, basically, right? So you were once an enemy, but now you've, God made peace, right? And you are now at peace with God. You're on his side now, right? And you're not afraid of him. Right? That he's just going to smash you like that, right? But you're not an enemy anymore in your mind. And it's awesome. The truth is, prior to us coming to Christ at salvation, we were enemies of the cross. And even if you were a good person and you did good things, you really were against him because your spirit was not his. And, but praise God, he sent his son to die on the cross and his shed blood, um, it's what made us who we are, right? So that we can be reconciled to God. So that not only we can be reconciled, but also we can receive his peace, right? Especially peace in the times that we're in right now. And the times that could get far worse, by all means. But praise the Lord, I think the time is short, guys. Are you guys with me on that? Uh, do you guys see that the signs are obvious, right? The times are obvious. And it's like, oh, Lord, 
In fact, in Revelation, I think it's 17, after Jesus just got done talking to the churches in Revelation, it's talking about tribulation time, chapter 6 to 16, uh, and then the millennial time. But he stops and he pauses and he says, guys, church, hey, listen up. Be watchful, right? I'm coming like a thief. Be ready, basically. We're commanded to be watchful. So a lot of you, you know, you guys hear people like, oh, you're, you're all into that revelation stuff. That's just so dumb. That's so not me. I'm all into the rest of the Bible, but not that stuff. They're, they're, they're going against God's will because God said, be watchful. He's telling the church to be watchful, right? And we got to be awaiting what? Well, the expectancy that he could come like a thief. What is, what is he talking about? The rapture, right? We're going to be taken up, and, and uh, it's going to be amazing. Um, all right, so um, Jesus is our peace. Look at Romans chapter 5, uh, verse 10. It says, For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, much more having been reconciled, uh, we shall be saved by his life, and not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. So you and I have been bought back, right, into a relationship with Jesus by his blood uh, through Jesus Christ, right, because of his death, uh, well, the cross because of his death, but the resurrection as well. That's what makes believers, uh, Christianity, really what it is. Uh, but let's come to the fifth thing here. Go back to Colossians. Um, Colossians 1. Uh, it involves his reward. Notice in verse 22, his reward. It says, to present you, church, holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. So because of Jesus Christ, he presents us holy and blameless and above reproach. What does that mean? Approachable, right? God is able to approach us, and he now is excited to see us, right? He's not ashamed of us. He's, he sees us, and he's like, right? You guys might see me and be like, oh, Josh, oh, Josh, oh, man, right? But he sees me, and he's like, Josh, hey, woohoo, right? It's a great thing. Why? Because he sees me in his perfection and through his blood, right? And, and in other words, man, the slate's been gone. It's clean. I'm under him and under his rule in that sense. And I just thank the Lord for that. But man, uh, and if you're as messed up as I am, it, that should bless you. Amen? Right? <laughs> I'm pretty blessed knowing that I'm pretty messed up. But hey, because of what he did, that's what makes us who we are. That's why you're probably here today, right? We want to grow in the grace uh, and the knowledge of, of Christ. So um, what a reward that is. Let's come to the sixth thing here. Um, his headship also involves his requirements. His requirements. Notice in verse 23, if indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. Uh, so obviously Paul is writing this to the church of Colossae. Now, this verse, by the way, just throw this out there, is very problematic to a lot of denominations. There's a lot of people, a lot of division. Um, but they say, well, there it is. My salvation is based on performance, right? And it clearly says that I must continue, I must be grounded, I must be steadfast in the faith, and not moved away, which is very interesting. Now, I understand to a degree what they're saying because there is some truth to us using our free will 
um, really to go against the gospel. Uh, Jesus said, in fact, in John 15, verse 5, he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is, and this is where it gets scary, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. So, yeah, in one respect, I I understand what they're saying, right? Continuing in the faith, being steadfast, we need to continue to abide in Christ. John 15 makes that super clear, right? You can't read that without understanding that. Um, if you're not abiding in Christ, then there's there's no hope because, well, what happened? You left the hope of the gospel. And I think this is what Hebrews chapter 6 is talking about. In verse 4, it says, For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened... And have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come if they fall away to renew them again to repentance since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. Uh, in fact, here's another one for you and I'll leave it at that. Second Peter chapter 3 verse 17, it says, You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, now Peter's been warning uh, the church of, you know, they were going through persecution at the time, but he's warning of, of things to come. You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand beware lest you speaking to the church also fall from your own steadfastness being led away with the air of the wicked but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our lord and savior jesus christ to him be the glory both now and forever amen church um so interesting that all is interesting and we could keep going and going and then i do understand what they're saying but Go back to Colossians and look at verse 23. Understand that that word if is actually another uh, preposition here. By the way, the preposition is in a first class condition. There's four classes. We would say this one's in the first class, which means it would say uh, since it is so. Um, so not if and it may might be, but if and it is for sure, or if and uh, it sure is, right? That's, that's the fact. So it would read something like this in verse 23. Since and indeed it is true, you do in fact continue in the faith, <clears throat> and you are in fact grounded and steadfast, and you are not moved away from the hope of the gospel, in which you heard, and it goes on from there, but that's awesome. Since, since that is the case, guys, understand this. You got it made. We got it made in Christ Jesus. Why? Because we are steadfast, because we are plowing on, because we are continuing on in the word of God. And I encourage you, church, read the word of God. Get in the word for yourself, right? Seek the Lord on your own and personal and prayer. It's beautiful. But he is the headship above all creation. He's the headship over all the church. But the question is, is he, does he have headship over your life? Have you given your life to the Lord uh, and have you proclaimed him as Lord God Almighty over your life? That he is not only Lord, but he's also Savior over your life. Very, very important question for your eternal life. Very, very scary position. But you got to make him the head over your life. If Jesus is not Lord over your life, then he's not Lord at all in your life, right? It just 
he's not going to be anything in your life because you're not making him anything in your life. And so it's very, very cool. First John, you can look at chapter 5. It makes it very clear. Uh, our confidence as a believer, we stand in who he is, that he is Jesus Christ is God Almighty come in the flesh, right? Um, so allow him to be Lord over your life and Lord over your situations and what you're going through. There's a lot going on, but when you stop and just allow him to take charge, man, he does. And he does a good job, doesn't he? Um, he really does. So um, I just encourage you guys, This is there's so much here. So you guys actually have homework, okay? Read Colossians chapter 1 and read one verse and stop and pray about it. And then read the next verse and stop and pray about it and do that through the whole chapter. Can you guys do one chapter? Come on, guys. All right. It's not that hard. <laughs> you know, uh-uh, I'm, that's a verbal agreement. I'm not doing that. Uh, we need some work done on us, huh? Oh, Lord, come quickly. Well, let's, let's stand up. Let's, let's pray, guys. I hope you guys are encouraged. Um, Lord, thank you so much, Lord, for your word. And uh, I do, Lord. I, I thank you, Lord, that, that uh, your word is very, very clear. Uh, there's no compromise. There's no uh, gray areas, Lord. You're very straightforward. And uh, Lord, I pray if anybody here has been uh, really just considering their life with you and considering their walk with you and uh, just their relationship with you, uh, Lord, that they would invite you in their hearts, Lord, and consider you in their, their lives as Lord and Savior of their lives, that they would call out to you and, and, and simply, Lord, just say in their hearts that they believe in what you did upon the cross for their sins, that they would repent, that they would turn from their ways, that they would believe on you and understand that you died on the, uh, on the cross for their sins and you rose again also the third day. Uh, but also that you are the Son of God, that you are God Almighty. Um, and I pray, Lord, that uh, you would continue to just, uh, Lord, enlarge in our hearts for your word. Uh, allow us, Lord, to be your servants, Lord, not caught up in our own pleasures and our own ways, uh, but rather, Lord, having your will be done in our lives, Lord. Help us to look for opportunities to serve. Help us to... Um, Lord, show grace, to show mercy, to be uh, just looking for opportunities, Lord, to, to just bless those around us. Uh, Lord, we understand that time is short. We're looking uh, as watchmen, Lord, of, of understanding your word, uh, seeing the times. Um, help us not to just watch, uh, but help us to warn as well when we see the enemy and we see the time, uh, and help us not to fall short in that area. But we love you, we thank you, and uh, pray that you go before everybody tonight and bless their uh, their trip home or wherever they're going, and uh, continue, Lord, to minister our hearts, convict us of righteousness, of sin. Uh, we just thank you so much, Lord, for all the work that you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen.